Today, we're heading to the art gallery to meet a spunky crew of older adults living with memory loss and their caregivers. I'm Monica Sandrasky, and this is In Between Places, a podcast from the Center for Transformative Action at Cornell University about the people on the journey to social change, finding themselves in those moments of almost, but not yet. We're here in the Arnott Art Gallery in Elmira, New York. It has white walls and tall ceilings and is a little echoey. A group of couples sits around three different paintings. We're joining with the Memory Maker Project's Meet Me at the Museum outing. In front of the group are paintings of scenes. Young girls swimming, babies, some naked people in front of trees and mountains. And it sparks a lot of conversation. So, what do you guys see when you look at this? Trees? Nudes. Oh, nudes. <laughs> As she whispers it, nudes. <laughs> nudes. What else do you guys see? What did she say? I just didn't think they were very good looking. <laughs> Christina Muscatello is facilitating that conversation. She's a longtime arts educator and the founder of the Memory Maker Project. She says most of us will be impacted by memory loss in some point in our lives, whether for ourselves or in the life of someone we care about. And that's the case for everyone at this event. She says as a project for the Center for Transformative Action, Memory Maker has identified some of the issues facing families dealing with memory loss. For one, these folks tend to be pretty socially isolated. In the course of my day. I'm around so many different people for work, for friendship, my family. There's different kinds of people all the time and that's very stimulating. But for a lot of people who have dementia, there might be one person. And for some people who are living at home alone in the early stages, there's nobody. And so um, isolation actually, like there's been studies done that social isolation can lead to like increased hospitalization. Another thing is that some people feel the only place that they know to go is the doctors for socialization. So they'll just go to the doctors and not really need to and just be like, well, it's, you know, it's some place to go. Then there's also the thing that if you're left alone and not stimulated, you can go deeper into depression or you can go deeper into dementia the less that you're stimulated so if somebody is at home and even still has their loved one there but they're not having conversations like this at home so some of our participants the loved ones will say like I never thought to ask that or like you're bringing out conversation from my husband or wife or sister or brother that I don't normally hear and that's because we as facilitators are trained in how to speak that language of dementia And so like a lot of what we're doing is also modeling. But when we first got started, um, they were more used to being talked at. And so um, that's something that happens a lot with people who have dementia, is that if someone isn't comfortable with asking questions or comfortable with the awkwardness of, you know, of downtime waiting for a response, then sometimes they'll just talk at the person. And so um, that's another thing that we're kind of solving is figuring out how to converse with rather than talking at. Um, So if you notice, like, 
a lot of the people who are talking, there might be like slight redirection, like, well, what about this? Like, do you really like doing that? Or tell them more about this. And maybe their, their spouse will fill in a little bit or something, but, um, but they're getting the opportunity to converse. Another really big thing, um, there's the, the physical symptoms or like the cognitive symptoms of dementia that are like actual memory loss, getting lost. Um, there's all of these different more cognitive functions that start to deteriorate for somebody with dementia. But what we don't talk about as much are the emotional symptoms. And it's very common for people who are living with Alzheimer's or dementias to have depression, anxiety, apathy, anger. Um, those are kind of the four main emotional changes that happen. So the part of the brain that we're stimulating using the arts is the amygdala, and it's the part of the brain that doesn't deteriorate throughout the entire dementia process. So what's stored there are your long-term memories, your fight-or-flight responses, your emotional center, and then the arts are also processed there. So if the other parts of the brain are deteriorating, you can go around those parts and enter into the person's world using the amygdala. So it's very scientific what we're doing. It's not just like playful and exciting. It's playful and exciting, but it really is like the access point to get into their minds and be able to open up their story and open them up and connect with them in a way that you really can't do without having the arts. Even though these folks still head to the doctor or the pharmacy, the same cultural activities they used to do don't make sense in the same way. Movie theaters or art galleries often don't cater to the issues people with Alzheimer's or dementia deal with. At the gallery in front of those paintings, Christina prompts individuals with questions. Hey Barb, what do you think is happening on that mountain? Giselle, what do you think it would feel like to be in that water? And then she comes to Ron who's pretty quiet, so Christina gently coaxes him. She asks, what would you do if you were in that painting? Would you want to be there in that scene? Well, it is very pretty, but I don't know how to categorize it. Would you jump in? Would you jump (laughs) into the water? (laughs) No. No. Or do you like to keep your feet dry? Yes. Do you like to swim, she asks. And that brings a bigger conversation. If I have a scuba tank, you know. Oh, you just really escalated that from, like, a casual <laughs> swim to, like, <laughs> Are you a scuba diver? Ocean water diver. Yeah. Ocean, oh, oh. Ocean water certified, yeah. What do you find down there? The mermaid. you <laughs> 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 Did you find any octopi? No. Although we do, we did find some fairly large, some barracudas, sharks. I didn't get very close to any sharks. You're remarkably calm about all of this. You're just like, yeah, I didn't get too close to them. Yeah, I was a scuba diver, and I was in the water, and the this shark started coming toward me. And I just sat on the bottom, and he went right over my head about that much space there, and he never even knew I was there. So these questions are extremely important for people who have Alzheimer's or dementia. 
The arts are sort of this gateway into accessing old memories and creating new ones with loved ones. It increases the person's confidence and the quality of their life. After the event, a mother and daughter reflect on their time. My, um, my sister is an artist, as is her daughter, and uh, so they keep an eye out for these kinds of things. My mother's been living with my sister for the last six months or so, and so she's always looking for things that would interest her and would be an afternoon out of the house and into uh, an environment where she might get to see something Interesting, pretty, fascinating, learn things, whatever. And this is so. exactly it. Yeah. This yeah. is exactly what I needed. Yeah. How do you mean? Well, I just I don't know what I mean. I mean, I have to see artwork and see what people have accomplished and what the subject matter is and, you know, what, what ones I think are good and what ones I wouldn't want hanging in my house. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't see many of the ones I wouldn't accept. No, what was, about the three you looked at today? Would you hang any of them in your house? Well, I wouldn't hang that one. Mm -hmm. oh, the nude one? Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't do that. Uh, is it because of the nudes or is it because of the painting itself? What do you think? Well, I think it's a little sort of a half and a half deal. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't like the nudes at all. I don't even like the baby. <laughs> this one, this one is good because they're thinking off in the distance, and uh, it reminds me of the school forest. I taught at an elementary school that had a, a school forest, and I was the first one to lay trails in it and take my classes through it, and. Uh, you know, all I had to do was say, well, I guess we don't have time for a walk in the woods today. <laughs> they all straightened up so fast, they loved walking in the woods. And so at least I, I felt that was the best part of my teaching. I'm so happy to have gotten here today. This kind of chat about paintings, about memories working in the forest, is exactly the aim of the Memory Maker Project. They offer the language to families and caregivers to help facilitate conversations with their loved ones with memory loss. Christina says a lot of times, family members are really struggling, missing the person they remembered. Well, you, you know? always hear people saying, like, well, you remember this, right? And I totally understand. Like, I, I, I don't want to not be gentle about this because it's really hard. Like, as the person on the sidelines, it's scary and it's sad and you're going through this deep loss while you're trying to keep a stiff upper lip and tell yourself, this person is living, we're creating a new chapter. And like, I firmly believe that, but I also do believe in mourning. And like, I just don't think that those two things should go together. Like caretaking and mourning at the exact same time can get a little problematic because you can't be your best care, care partner when you're, a lot of times when you're mourning and caring, what ends up happening is that then you're trying to get the person back and that doesn't really help anyone and I do say this a lot that it's really it's not them it's us we're the real problem they're not a problem they're living their best life and they are living it as fully as they possibly can and they are offering everything that they can in that moment and trying to push them out of that and 
bring them back into their old reality is not fair to anybody. So what we as people with memory need to be aware of is that, you know, we're we're here as the external hard drives of memory, but we're also here to learn from them how to be in the moment and how to share without memory in some cases, how we can how we can share the moment together just for the sake of being and to just enjoy a moment. And let's talk about the leaves rustling and what do you like about this? What does it make you feel? Using the senses, touch this, isn't this so soft? Like, would you, can I rub this flower against your face? And oh, what does that feel like to you? I mean, there's so much in this world that's lush and sensuous, you know, and we have so many resources to connect with somebody. If we're always just demanding that we're going back into our old routine or our old relationship, we're, nobody's gonna win. So normally one would think about memory loss as a deficit, that these people aren't, you know, people with memory loss should be pitied. This is Anka Wessels, the director of the Center for Transformative Action. She says what's essential in this kind of work that Christina is up to is believing that meaningful change happens through these in-between moments we find ourselves in, through these small interactions like deep listening, speaking and writing with another person, hoping on another person's behalf, and creating space in oneself to treat another person like there's someone who's worthy of our attention, rather than like something that needs fixing. The Memory Makers Project recognizes that people with Alzheimer's or with memory loss are human beings, and they actually have assets. They have something to contribute. And the work is about bringing that out and and having these people in many ways come alive, the people she's working with start to tell stories, um, start to talk about their lives in ways that maybe, you know, their loved ones hadn't heard for a long time. So there's this perspective of abundance, if you will, of seeing these people as really full human beings. Yes, they have memory loss. And they're still full, full human beings. They shouldn't be shunted away. They still belong to our community and they have something to contribute and they can live lives with joy and with beauty. Again, right? So seeing people as human, as contributors, as as, having assets, this abundance perspective, and then having this tool or this method to draw that out and to give people um, joy in their own lives and and also for them to be contributing to to larger society as as the again what are we for let's let's see that everybody no matter um, what can give to their to their potential and can contribute and can be recognized and be given dignity i think that's also really important to this project is that these people have dignity and are all respected yeah in ways that you know oftentimes in society we don't respect you know the elderly yeah yeah i've been thinking a lot a lot about this about um in in this same vein of you know 
having a society that is so much based on, um, you know, power and even education, you know, like having Mm -hmm. more and success and, um, and competition with other people. And so then in that mindset, you know, then when you do, um, help somebody else out, like somebody who, um, has fallen on hard times or like maybe has a developmental disability or Alzheimer's, then that person is seen as, well, isn't that so great that they're doing that, you know, Mm -hmm. as opposed to recognizing, you know, this person with developmental disabilities, this person with Alzheimer's as this is a full, uh, you know, like a full fleshed contributing dignified human that Mm -hmm. you're lucky to be around, you know? And if you're seeing them as weak, the issue's really with you for seeing Mm -hmm. that as as a weakness. I often talk about this in terms of a glass half full, a glass half empty. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, if we're helping others, we're making assumption that our glass is full and theirs is empty. Yeah. And our job, if you will, is to help them. And again, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. Yes, there are times when help is, is very much appreciated, right? And, but with that assumption that my glass is full and, and yours is empty comes an assumption of power. Yeah. I have more power. You have less power. Um, and the, the power imbalance of helping um, from the person receiving the help, one can feel like your dignity is no longer there, that you're not respected as a full human being. It's probably one reason people don't ask for help, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they, or people have a hard time asking for help. But if we recognize that, hey, all our glasses are half full and half empty, sort of somebody with Alzheimer's may have an obvious lack, if you will, but you know, my glass is also half empty. And so I can learn from others. And in that regard, like what we're doing is we're working together, we're collaborating, we're cooperating, we're contributing to each other. So I'm I'm very sure that Christina from the Memory Maker Project will say that working with these people with Alzheimer's um, brings so much to her life. Yeah. And that she's learning from them as much as, as she's able to provide something for them. Mm. And it's in that mutuality, yeah. right, that the shared sense of humanity, um, again, this, this respect, the sense of dignity is able to, to flourish. And Christina says people living with memory loss are doing just that. They're living. It's through these small actions that Memory Maker is helping disrupt the stigma surrounding aging and memory loss, creating more inclusive and intergenerational communities. Thanks so much for
for listening. Memory Maker also does art and poetry workshops, and you can find out more at memorymaker.org. Join us next time for a look at another group trying to facilitate ways to have more respectful and empathetic conversations to bring about transformation in communities. In Between Places is brought to you by the Center for Transformative Action, an affiliate of Cornell University. Do you have an idea for innovative social change? Well, that is fantastic to hear. We cannot wait to find out more. Reach out to CTA at centerfortransformativeaction.org. In Between Places is written, edited, and produced by Monica Sandreski. Special shout out to Cornell Media Relations for production assistance. Music today by Silva D. Algeria and Derek Clegg. I see your face. I see your face in the crowd You tip the scales Shout it out loud And you're the one I trust Greater than anything If you're my Words you say